This is Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church around the world. I'm Greg Musselman. Since China's persecution of Christians has only led to more church growth, the Communist Party is now targeting the Bible itself with a 10-year project to change the scriptures, including lines where Jesus stones the woman caught in adultery, if you can believe it. With as many as 130 million Chinese Christians, there are more followers of Jesus than members of the Chinese Communist Party. That is according to a report from CBN News. And that is causing the Communist Party to what it calls an update with socialist values and removing passages from the Bible that don't reflect communist beliefs. And joining me to talk about what the Chinese government are not only trying to do to the Bible, but other things as well, and Putting some things in place to try to confuse Christians is Dr. Eric Foley. Dr. Foley is the co-founder and chief executive officer of the Voice of the Martyrs Korea. VOM Korea supports the work of persecuted Christians in North Korea, China, Russia, and around the world. Dr. Foley joins me from Seoul. Eric, good to see you, and thank you for being back on Closer to the Fire. Uh, great to see you too, Greg. Thank you for having me. Well, I always appreciate your insight. And we're going to talk about North Korea a little bit later in the program, because this is a country that's always in the news with their nuclear program, their threats against the country you live in, South Korea, the U.S. and other nations. But I want to talk about the Chinese government. Mm -hmm. They're trying to change some of what is written in the Bible that goes against their ideology. And I guess they're no longer content with just arresting and intimidating Christians to abandon their faith in Jesus. So Eric, I mean, this catches people off guard a little bit and surprising, mm. but I'm sure for somebody like yourself that works in China, maybe you're not all that surprised. Yeah, I think, Greg, you know, um, there's uh, this this um, episode is really part of, a, uh, of an overall change in context that's happening in China. And I think it's important for people to understand. A lot of times when we think about countries like China or North Korea, we just assume that they're a steady state of bad mm. towards Christians, right? That yeah. nothing really changes and that um, everything is just always difficult. But really, um, uh, the, the situation that Christians face in China, North Korea, um, is a dynamic situation. There are changes that are happening. And in China, uh, recently, uh, as of just this year, new religious regulations were passed. And those religious regulations do something that have not been done before in China, which is that in the past, the regulations were really designed to prevent churches from saying or doing things against the Communist Party. Right. But now these new regulations require churches to actively promote the Communist Party, to participate in patriotic events, to to um to to display patriotic symbols to include patriotic content in their sermons to celebrate patriotic holidays and churches that don't do those things now face uh sanctions and and and, and in many cases criminal um charges from the government so when we look at rewriting yeah. the bible that's actually part of an even bigger problem. It's it's not that the Chinese government is focused simply on rewriting the Bible. They're focused on remaking the church in the image of the Communist Party. So what we've seen in the last year, especially, are certain model churches that the, the Chinese government has raised up and um, that those churches are um, what they're characterized by is this, this that that every time that there is a there is a a, a communist 
holiday, anytime that there's a party congress, anytime that there is any kind of um, uh, teaching or writing that comes from the, the central committee, these churches are actively sharing this as though it was the core of their ministry. And so now these model churches are being held up not just as, as great examples that everybody uh, should try to be like, but as the norm, the new norm. And we're seeing churches that that really were not doing any kind of an anti-government activity now being criticized and facing new difficulties, sometimes being charged with fraud, sometimes leaders being placed under surveillance, uh, sometimes buildings being confiscated. Uh, we, we just had another uh, a church uh, that was banned uh, that was in Guangzhou earlier yes, this yeah. month. And so um, each of those comes about because now it's not enough to not criticize the Communist Party. Now churches must praise communism. They must take the leading role in their communities. And the main characteristic of the church now in China cannot be its fidelity to the Lord Jesus. It has to be its 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 patriotism towards the Chinese government. Yeah, and, and it's troubling, of course, because we know that there are believers that have stood against the communist government. Uh, you know, people like Alan Yuan, Watchman Nee, who spent many years in prison. In fact, Watchman right. Nee died in prison. And Alan Yuan, who I had the privilege of meeting in Beijing uh, about a year or so before he passed away, spent 22 years in prison because he stood up against the Communist Party and the, the government-controlled churches. So we understand, you know, in a sense, what's happened yeah, yeah. in the government churches but they're going now after everybody, and and even, that's right. So th yeah. explain and, explain why that is happening, and that there's this again this push against the mm -hmm. the house church movement. Well, I think Greg, you know, one of the things is that if if the if the Christian church was not being successful, it would not be continue right. to be the target of legislation. So the problem but is they're is growing. A, that's right. The the, the sure. problem is they're growing. That's okay. Right. And so so it's I, I guess on the one hand, uh, not meaning to make light of it, but you could say no. it's a nice problem to have. And I, I I tell you why I say that, you know, it's possible for people to say, well, it's easy for you to say you're sitting in Seoul and, and you can say that because you're not in China. But it's interesting that when you look at just in fact, um, earlier this month, the uh, the early rain church, which has been the target of persecution now for many years, that's the, the church in Chengdu where Pastor Wang Yi was pastor, and then uh, he and and church leaders uh, were imprisoned and remain in prison. But um, in their their weekly prayer letter, they called for prayer on behalf of the uh, of another persecuted church in Guangzhou. But it was so interesting because in the prayer letter, they're actually listing their they're, 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 they've written down the prayer right. So they're they're not just giving prayer points. They're not saying pray like this, pray like this. They're actually praying. And so what they prayed was they said, uh, Father. Please tell the prince of the air that um, if if he really wanted to stop the growth of the church, he would grant religious and religious freedom in China. But because he's not wise enough to do that, the prince of the air, let him continue to persecute so that the church may grow. Wow. And so the that yeah, I mean that's that uh, I think. One of the things that's really important from that, it's really good for us to overhear the prayers of persecuted Christians, because otherwise, you know, we end up praying, Lord, let them be like us, right? Yeah. Let them uh, let them have religious freedom and all these kinds of things. 
And religious freedom, of course, is a real blessing when you get it, but it doesn't it doesn't impair the work of God when it's absent. So that's an important distinction. And that's what the early Iranian Covenant Church was pointing out as they were praying for the church in Guangzhou. They were saying, look, the Chinese government, uh, under the power of this, this uh, prince of the air, of course, he's talking about Satan, um, uh, doesn't understand that uh, if, if uh, Satan really wanted to stop the growth of the church in China, he would end persecution and grant religious freedom. But then they said, of course, if the, the religious freedom was granted, then we still win. So that's the that's the attitude that these churches in China have. And I think it's important to point out that churches like the church in Guangzhou, churches like Early Rain Church, church churches like Zion Church in Beijing, these churches have been hammered with the worst kind of persecution now for, for in some cases, multiple decades. And yet the churches are still fully functioning. So it's not that they are on their knees or hiding out uh, hunkering down, waiting for uh, Christians in the West to, uh, you know, advocate for governments to do something. This is still, according to Chinese Christians, this is still the heyday of Christianity in China. This is still a period of great growth. You know, we we have this um, this sense in the West about COVID that no no nobody in the West is ever going to look back at COVID as being a time of uh, of of the heyday of the church, right? Of being being a time where the Lord brought a lot of fruit to the Western church. But one of the things that I've noted about Chinese Christians and also North Korean Christians is that they do look at COVID as a time of church growth, and it's because when COVID came, they didn't see that as simply the Lord stopping the activity of the church. They know that they always need to hold on to the form of church lightly. They hold on to the word of God tightly, but they hold on to the form loosely. So what's happened in the Chinese church is that for, you know, since I guess you could say, Greg, since uh, the early 2000s on through maybe, let's say, 2015, 2016 in China, there's this kind of embrace in China of this mega church model that came from South Korea and from the West, building centralized church buildings and having specialists where you've got now not just pastors, but you've got, you know, professional Sunday school teachers and administrators. That Those are the churches that have really struggled now through COVID in China and who, who struggle in these new regulations. But the other churches who are, who are very accustomed to uh, rolling with the punches, as you might say, and looking for the Lord in the punch, those churches are changing. Their, 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 their structure continues to grow and develop. And so, um, you know, China banned uh, the, the ability of many uh, online uh, book sales. It's harder to get Bibles in China, Christian books in China. And so, but that didn't cause uh, Christian reading to stop. Chinese Christians adapted from that and figured out how to still have access to, to materials. The, the Chinese government confiscated buildings, now in the process of, 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 of adulterating the scriptures. But I think what Chinese Christians would say is, is that for them, that is why they've always focused on memorization as the key way to relate to the scriptures. You know, I was um, um, doing some training here in Korea earlier this week, and um, I said, uh, let's look in, I don't remember what the scripture was, let's look in Matthew 6, and so everybody, of course, what do they do? They pull out their phones and look up Matthew yeah. 6. Yeah. But Greg, you know this because you, you've you've taught in China before. When you're in China and you say, let's look up Matthew 6, nobody opens their Bible because they have it here. They know yes. it in their memory. Yeah. yeah. So I think Chinese Christians would say 
that Western Christians, I think, are more vulnerable to those kind of changes to the Bible because Chinese Christians, they can compare the scripture that they see on paper to what they've memorized. And of course, Chinese Christians, always they're reciting the Bible collectively. They're, it's, it's, it's at the core of the church activity. So we might in the West think of the core of the church activity as building, ordained pastor, printed Bible, freedom of religion. The Chinese church would not define any of those things as central to the church. They would say that the, the church comes into existence anytime the word of God is, is, is heard in faith. It goes out of existence anytime that the word of God is no longer heard in faith. And so now as the Chinese government, you know, the church in Guangzhou, the Chinese government banned that church 20 yeah. years ago as that church continued to grow. The Chinese government first said, OK, we're going to take over your building. So you can't be in that building anymore. They said, no problem. And so they spread out. And so over the last two decades, it's been this kind of cat and mouse game. And they 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 find vestiges of the church here. So they take that building and they put pressure on the landlord there. And so they close down the church's avenue to meet there. But now, look, the church, they, they just this last month, they had to say, look, we're just banning the church altogether. Why does that happen? It doesn't happen because the church is on its uh, on its last leg. It happens because the church continues to thrive and the Chinese government can't find any way to stop it. Maybe, maybe they should read the Bible. <laughs> I, I, but now they're attacking the Bible. And what yeah. kind of what do you think the outcome will be there, Eric? I mean, we sometimes argue in the West about you know different versions of the Bible and this sure. word. And it's not you know exactly what the Greek said, and 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 I understand that some you know have the you know it has to be the King James version or the New King James version or the NIV or you know whatever yeah. version it might be. But this is going to the very core, you know, where you have Jesus even saying that he's a sinner or go stone the woman. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. just one example. <laughs> How is this going to then, I mean, cause that would take right into his, his very deity of, of the person. Yeah. Jesus. How will that then affect the church? Will it confuse? I mean, for the, you know, for those that have been around for a while, know the scripture, what about the new believers? Because that's one of the things that's happening in China. Many are coming to the Lord all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I think Greg, um, it, one one of the things that is I I believe really important for us to always keep in mind is is that the the there are uh, house church networks in China. Of course, they're huge networks, but they're networks. They're not hierarchies. They're not built to where if you were to say, well, who's the leader of this house church network? Who's the leader of that? It's not built like that. It's more built like a network, like a computer network. You know, the if you think of the the, the internet. Um, um, the internet is so hard to take down because you you can't just go to the the headquarters of the World Wide Web and and you know pull a plug and make it stop right. So what you have is you have this um, uh, that the the strength of the Chinese church is always in the fact that its leadership is spread all throughout China, in the countryside, in the cities, and it's 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 not only among seminary trained pastors. The 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 Chinese church leadership. Uh, many people are in leadership who who have very limited abilities even to read and write because of the fact that they live in the countryside. So before, just prior to, um, it was just prior to COVID that the leaders of the main house church networks in China contacted us and they said, look, we know what's, we know what's coming. We, we, we know what is, um, um, what the Chinese government has planned. It's not hard to figure out. Here's what we want to do. We want to work together with you guys and develop a set of materials that anybody can 
use, regardless of whether they're literate, illiterate, living in the city, living in the countryside, what we're looking for is materials that 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 an average untrained believer can lead their household and their church and their network through in a matter of three years. Hmm. So we assembled what we called Sunday School in a Box and Canadian Christians through Voice of the Martyrs Canada right. yeah. participated in that project. We yeah. did literally tens of thousands of boxes over a multi-year period. And in those boxes, we included um, the, um, the, the Bible in audio form, in printed form, and um, as well as recorded video lessons. And that spread like wildfire throughout China. And the important part of that project was they weren't imported into China, all of the components and everything, they were all sourced in China. So the Chinese government had a hard time even tracking those down and confiscating them because we were doing it in so many different locations. Why that's an important story is it shows that the Chinese house church network, the the the, uh, the Chinese churches is really guided by the Lord to, to anticipate the problems that they're going to face. The Lord is just very good to care for the church in China. So we sometimes have the period, have the wrong understanding that the Chinese government is on the advance. They're on the offensive, they're in control. And the house church Christians are just victims and they're they're rocked back on their heels, confused, unaware of what to do and totally dependent on external organizations and saying, help, help. That's just never yeah. the way it is. I mean, the uh, so I think that the, 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 you asked the question, what is the Chinese government's current scheme? And the answer is, is that what they're really doing is remaking the canon. I'm using that word from Christian history, the canon, right, yeah. the, the collection of what counts as sacred scripture. Now, we need to keep in mind that in the government registered churches, what we sometimes call the three self churches, mm -hmm. there has been what we might call a canon within the canon for many years, which means you can preach from this part of the Bible, but not that part of the Bible. So things like, for example, preaching the return of Christ is something that has always been either restricted or heavily controlled in the state churches. Now what's happening is, is that what's being inserted into the canon is loyalty to the Communist Party and to its leaders. And so it's not only about rewriting the Bible, it's saying that the church must have more than one book. The church can't be simply a church of one book, the Old and New Testament, you know, the living word of God. It also has to be the church of the thought of Xi Jinping, it has to be the 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 the, the church that reads uh, and publicly studies with its church members the the decisions of the latest party congress. So I think it's important to understand that this is not only an attack on the Bible, even if what they did was leave the Bible unchanged, uh, that the, the attack is still on the question of what constitutes the canon. What is the what is it that the church must cover? What is the content that every church must share? And when I say every church, I don't just mean registered churches, because where unregistered churches still exist, there is, again, this uh, new mechanism to attack them, which is to say that they are uh, in obvious negligence, criminal negligence of the law, because just on, on, on the... Uh, in every way, they are not promoting the Communist Party. So in the past, an unregistered church might say, look, we're not political, man. We just, you know, we just 
we're just doing evangelism. We're just studying the Bible. We're a group of 15 people meeting in a home. Just kind of ignore us. Don't pay any attention to us. Now, the question is, what are you doing to promote Xi Jinping thought in your home congregation? So you've got one more tool of enforcement uh, to, to use against the unregistered church. And they keep adding to that tool chest. You know, the, just a few years ago, they started where instead of uh, they realized that putting leaders in prison was was not an effective way to stop church growth. Right. So what they started to do is to fine churches. And so they would just levy, levy fine on top of fine on top of fine of churches for, you know, illegal building use, illegal gatherings. And now they've gone one step further. And now the main charge is fraud. That mm, anyone yeah. who takes up an offering is guilty of fraud because they're not registered. And by not being registered, then they are committing criminal activity by collecting an unlawful offering. So in China, you just see that the, the Chinese government just throwing everything that they can at the registered church and the unregistered church, both in order to um to 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 control the growth, but also to try to make the church an organ of the Communist Party. They look, hey, you guys got these buildings, these preachers, you, you've got these gatherings, you need to use them to promote Xi Jinping thought. So that's that. So I say, as I say, it's even deeper than rewriting the Bible. Right. And, and I was thinking, you know, even as we're talking in, you remember Samuel Lamb, uh, yeah. know, a, a great man of God, amazing pastor, arrested a number of times and and one of his quotes was, uh, you know, he'd be in prison, the church would be larger when he came out, and persecution right. is good for church, right? Every every time the police would show up, he'd put his hands out. He'd say, go ahead, put the handcuffs on, we're ready for some church growth. I, yeah, and, it, and just a phenomenal guy. I mean, he what, spent about 20 years in prison. Uh, he resisted the controlled churches. and then, But he also talked about the fact that you couldn't preach the book of Revelation or the book of Daniel. That's right. Because it preaches another ideology uh so what is happening then in the government controlled churches when it comes to you know preaching about the return of christ do they just stay away from that uh i mean because they're being monitored i mean how do they how do they even function as as a church yeah i i think here's how i would say it greg and it's 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 crazy even to to think about it like this but what the chinese government is doing is it is marginalizing the teaching of Christ in the church, right? It's mar it's pushing it to the side. It's it's saying, look, um, the the primary thing that you need to do. You now have a what what we would call a, a positive duty. There's something that you must do, which is to promote the activity of the state. And so now the state is actively checking and saying. Are you doing that? Are you preaching? What 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 are you preaching in your sermons? And and for a pastor to say, oh, I'm preaching the teaching of Christ, their response is, you're not preaching the teaching of Xi Jinping, so you are now guilty of this criminal offense. So I think that that is the that's the sad thing is is that it did used to be a situation where Chinese uh, pastors had to be very cautious about preaching certain parts of doctrine, but now the the, the whole thing is flipped. It's be it's 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 not just a difference in degree; it's a difference in kind. Things have flipped to where now um, the Chinese government is saying, "Are you preaching the the decisions that came from the Party Congress? Are you are you preaching Xi Jinping thought? Are you preaching patriotic content on this holiday?" When they they walk into the church building, they're saying, "Why do you only have Bibles displayed?" 
because now you have to have the books of Xi Jinping and the analysis of the speeches of Xi Jinping and the speeches about the Party Congress. And, you know, it's it's important to understand this is not just churches this is happening to. Of course, it's the other religious groups as well. It's happening to Muslims. It's happening to Buddhists. And so the Chinese government is trying to remake all religious activity to simply be cheerleading for the state. So that's that's the I mean, it's we're. Uh, our mutual friend Bob Fu likes to say this is the biggest crisis that we've seen in China since the Cultural Revolution, and that's wow. not an overstatement. That's saying and what something. Makes, yeah, yeah. What makes it a crisis is is that the state has simply said now churches are an arm of the state. Church's job is to educate the citizens. Church's job is to motivate citizens to be loyal. Church's job is to teach communism. So I think that's it's a different kind of challenge, isn't it? It's it's not pastors going to prison, but it's really the church being imprisoned within the Communist Party structure. So it's no longer, hey, you can't preach from Daniel and Revelation. The question is, can you preach the Bible at all? Yeah. Because every week it's a new holiday, it's a new subject, it's a new theme, and 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 the government has an endless list of those of of uh, topics that they expect the church to be teaching their members. It's not to say that no teaching happens in the registered churches now, but it sure is. As I say, it's not just a difference in degree; it's a difference in kind. And certainly among unregistered churches, there's no such thing now as simply keeping a low profile and saying, "Look, hey, you can ignore us. We are just doing." We're just reading the Bible. That's no longer enough. That's wow. no longer acceptable. And that's, you know, you're, as you said, that is really a turnaround. And and just wonder, uh, you know, as we've seen, and you and I have had the privilege of traveling and meeting lots of persecuted Christians, we, we see where there's a certain kind of persecution that causes compromise. I mean, we're seeing some yeah. of that here, even in North America, you know, over some of the whole sexual revolution and, uh, you know, gay marriage and, and, and you know, yeah. so, so there's, there's those challenges. And, and I know people uh, that wonderful people, but there has been a compromise and, and it's a challenge, you know, when you outright arrest Chinese pastors or you arrest yeah. people, people, there tends to be that reaction. Okay. We're, we're going to fight. But when you kind of say, well, you know, you can kind of talk about the Bible, but you got to talk about, uh, you know, the leader yeah. of the country. Mm -hmm. And, and so there's, you know, to me, it it feels like there could be more compromise there, but yeah, uh, sure. Is that is that kind of one of the dangers, maybe, that some of the believers are feeling in China right now? I think it very much is, Greg. You know, um, it, it we say China, but it's also every country that China interacts with. You know, the um, um, because of China's outsized influence in many economies in many countries around the world we can see these same principles impacting other countries. Vietnam is a great example of that. And I think Vietnam also illustrates one of the real challenges is that as the Vietnamese government begins to <clears throat> implement more and more uh, policies inspired by the Chinese Communist Party, you see this a real danger of a fracture among evangelical Christians in unregistered churches in Vietnam. So what that looks like is, is that the Vietnamese government will say to some evangelical leaders, look, preach, pray, do your thing. And by the way, you need to put pressure on these five of your colleagues because they're not good Vietnamese citizens. You know, 
we Vietnamese government officials, how nice and reasonable we are and how much freedom we give you. You need to gather information about your these churches that are not good citizens. And so I think that part of the issue is compromise. Part of the issue is 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 really um, betrayal. It's I mean it it goes right right back to the stuff that Pastor Wormbrandt wrote about under communism is is churches that were lifted up as showpiece churches for visitors from the West. That uh, visitors from the West would come say, "Hey, I went to the the Baptist church in Moscow and they had 600 members. We sang hymns and and preached sermons, and so I didn't see any persecution." So I think in China and Vietnam all over Asia, we're seeing those same things at work. But the impact is, you know, part of the impact is in, in compromising their faith. Part of it is, is an active betrayal of other believers. And that is what is so painful. The idea that the, the Chinese government can say to certain pastors, look, we're being reasonable here. Look, you're Chinese citizens. Sure, you're Christian, but you're also Chinese citizens. And so you need to show your loyalty to the Chinese government. And so that's a very appealing message. That's not only appealing in China. That is yeah. a, a challenge around the world. The question, what is the relationship of Christians to their governments? And um, Jesus says, you know, whoever serves two masters will love the one and hate the other. It's just we're not built for serving two masters. Yeah. And so although, of course, we Christians have a role to play um, in uh, and we pray for good government, it's very clear that we are people of undivided loyalty undivided loyalty our loyalty is that jesus is lord and so christians have always been known to be good citizens but um uh that citizenship does not come at the cost of for example betraying other members of the body of christ watering down the message of the gospel so these are challenges not just in china but around the world uh but certainly today since we're talking about china and all the countries that china impacts that i i think is if we were to say, what's the major challenge? It's not pastors suffering in prison. They're used to that. It's not churches having to operate underground or in homes. They're used to that. Mm -hmm. um, the, I think the, the main challenge that the Chinese church is facing today is that the Chinese government has become quite skilled at thinking about ways to fracture the church, identify certain churches that we could say, these are the good guys. These are the models. These are the ones you, you want to be like. You can see how if you do what the government wants, the government will let you do what you want. And so this is the this is the mindset that unfortunately some, especially the registered churches have fallen into. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how the church reacts uh, in China. I mean, the broad church, not only mm -hmm. the underground, the house churches, but also the government-controlled churches, because we know that God is on the move, and you know the gates of hell will not prevail against the church yeah. because the church continues to advance, and uh, we'll continue to pray for China. And as you're listening or watching this podcast, uh, you can go to vomcanada.com. We have lots of information on China. We have the prayer and persecution alert, and uh, you can get on there each week and and hear what is happening in all around the world and a lot of stories coming out of China because there's always things going on in that That's right. country. Yeah, it's 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 phenomenal. And we're going to pray for China in a moment. Just go. Yeah, go ahead, Eric. But here I just want to underscore the importance of Christians going to the VOM Canada website because we see more and more stories now in the last several months, different well-respected organizations releasing survey data saying, hey, you know, it looks like the Chinese church is not growing. Uh, it looks like they're in decline. It looks like a lot of people are are, uh, are actually uh, syncretists, uh, sort of Christian, but sort of other things. Hmm. And so uh, people read this data, they go, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. It must be true. 
Um, but the problem is, is that in China, it's not that the church is shrinking. It's that Chinese Christians who get called to answer survey questions on the phone are realizing it is not a smart thing to publicly raise your hand and say, hello, yes, I'd like to report my uh, survey participation that I am a bona fide dyed-in-a-wool Christian uh, running an unregistered church in my backyard. You know, Chinese Christians aren't stupid. So let's not no. be foolish either. Let's not simply imbibe that kind of data and say, yeah, yeah, I heard the Chinese church is shrinking. We really need to listen to sources like Voice of the Martyrs Canada, where the the, the information is shared is credible. It's accurate. It comes from multiple sources, and it all points to the same thing. The church in China is continuing to grow. It is the largest church on the planet, and it's continuing to grow. And if people say, well, who? how do I know who to believe? You pointed out yourself, Greg, if the church wasn't growing anymore, if it was in decline, the Chinese government would not be hammering it year after year with new laws and efforts to bring it under control. So that that just tells you very clearly who you can trust and who you can believe about what's happening in China. So what you're saying, Eric, is don't believe everything you read on the Internet. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> hard, hard, yeah. Yeah. And, and I know I'm doing that when I'm doing stories, you know, around the world and, you know, talking to believers that are actually in the country trying to verify. Yeah. That's what we do. The Voice of the Martyrs Canada. And if we do make a mistake, we will correct it. Uh, yeah. And that's very important. And and that's the thing that the church in China is growing. God is doing amazing work there. And we're going to pray for China in just a moment. But uh, before we yeah. leave this conversation, I've got to talk to you a few minutes here about uh, North Korea. I mean, we have the North Korean leader, uh, Kim Jong-un. Uh, you know, he's been focusing, of course, on his nuclear arsenal and, yeah. uh, you know, his saber rattling, I guess. But uh, since the start of 2022, his military, I think it's something around 100 missile tests, uh, many yeah, of them yeah. warning the United States and South Korea over the expansion of their joint military exercises. So how do the people and, and certainly the church in uh, South Korea, you personally, your family, your friends, how do you react when you constantly hear these threats coming out of uh, out of Pyongyang and uh, with Kim Jong-un and his uh, regime? Yeah, you know, as hard as, as it is to imagine, because those uh, threats and that belligerent activity has been going on now for so many decades, uh, South Koreans just tune it out. Is that right? Okay. Uh, yeah. And so the, uh, you, you know, Greg, because uh, you've been with me to go to the border and you know that immediately once you go north of the city of Seoul, where half the population of the country lives. Once you go north of that, you you see the the bridges that are designed to um, to collapse with explosives. You see the the barbed wire, and so um, there's there's renewed increased uh, activity among the the South Korean military partnerships with especially the U.S. But now information sharing with Japan. So at a governmental level, there certainly is is more activity than there's been in some time. Uh, but uh, everyday uh, life of South Korean people is amazingly in insulated from uh, concern over uh, what happens in, in North Korea. Uh, that, uh, And I think perhaps it's just living on the knife's edge for so long. It's just one of those things that people come to accept. I do think, though, that, that there have been significant changes that have happened since COVID related to the North Korean government and its enforcement of uh, Christian activity and other forms of what they view as anti-state activity. Um, North Korea used the corona time 
that period to build a second border wall to isolate their country. So now, whereas before there was one wall, you now have two. Hmm. In addition to that, on the China side, all along that border, the largest border between uh, North Korea and anybody, of course, the China, you know, there's a small border with Russia, but the main border is the border with China. Now you see CCTV along that border every 300 to 350 meters. So it's a different world, you know, than it was with many of the stories that people are used to hearing about North Koreans escaping by crossing the Tumon River. Um, that situation has really changed because uh, Kim Jong-un, much more than his father, has enforced the geographic isolation of ordinary North Korean people. His motivation for doing that is simply to recentralize all control uh, in the arms of the state. But that doesn't mean that the North Korean underground church looks at this time as a period of particular difficulty or danger. As I pointed out, during corona, uh, the, the North Korean underground church, every year, the number of Bible requests we receive from North Korean Christians uh, and, uh, and other North Koreans doubled, more than doubled every single year during corona. Uh, we we formerly we did three radio broadcasts a day into North Korea, and then during Corona, uh, North Korean uh, Christians said to us, "You guys need to increase that. You know, why don't you do more?" And we said, "Well, we're just doing it when you guys are home." They said, "Look, we're home a lot." Hmm. And so what happened is during the lockdown period, normally every North Korean home would be searched twice a year, but during the lockdown period, the the state security agents didn't want to search homes because they didn't want to go into a home, get infected, and be the state security agent that spread COVID oh, to yeah. everybody else in that neighborhood. So North Koreans during that time found that they had the opportunity to get materials in their own homes, duplicate them and share them. So uh, people that were not Christian were doing that with K-pop and Korean drama. Uh, people that were Christian were doing that with Bibles and other Christian materials. Now the North Korean government has really realized that um, that because of their 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 way of doing enforcement during COVID, they created a situation for the spread of this anti-state material. So they're trying to make up for lost time. So we're seeing a lot of um, of activity, crackdowns on on you know what what get called anti-state groups. And so uh, it's definitely like China. It's not a static situation. It's very dynamic. It's always changing. But what I will say is this: is that as I mentioned to you uh, on on this program before. That according to the North Korean Human Rights Database, their most recent year of data in 2020, um, now more than 8% of North Koreans inside North Korea have seen a Bible with their own eyes. And that's up from 0% yeah, in the year yes. 2000. So we went from 0% to more than 8%. That's that's about 1.65 million people approximately. The population of North Korea is a, a carefully guarded state secret. But nevertheless, what that means is more North Koreans are reading the Bible than at any other point in history. So it tells us that the, the time for gospel ministry in North Korea is today. So we want to say to people, you know, they, they that people think that gospel ministry can't be done today. Or so they, they think, well, we can't do outreach. So we're going to support, you know, um, Christians who act as teachers or, you know, medical aid. Fine, support that. But don't do that because you think it's not possible for the gospel to, in, uh, to spread throughout North Korea today. The penalties are high. It's still the, the state does everything it can to prevent it. But God still makes a way. And that's why he tells us in 2 Timothy, the word of God is not bound. And so the word of God continues to spread in North Korea today. And so we're at a point where more people are reading the Bible than any other point in history in North Korea. There's a lot to celebrate. And so we're looking 
we, we should never look at countries like China and North Korea and feel like they've got the best of the situation, that they've got the church in a headlock. You know, the church is advancing in China, North Korea, and all the other countries like Vietnam that we've mentioned. And so let's praise God for those advances. When we pray, let's not pray as people without hope. Let's not say, oh, Lord, open the door for the gospel. He has. He's answered our prayer. He has. So always when people say to me, hey, I'm praying for the gospel to get into North Korea, I say, really, I'm praying for it to get back out because we need it here, you know? (laughs) That's right. that the yeah, church yeah. in South Korea has been in numeric decline every year since 1989. Church in Canada, the U.S. Man, we need what they have in in uh, in the North Korean underground church. We need. Wouldn't it be great to say more people are reading the Bible in Canada than any other point in history? I don't know that we can say that, but we can sure say it about North Korea. Yeah, and and the thing that that really comes out, you know, as you talk about China, North Korea, Vietnam, and some of these other countries is they are able to adapt quickly and and, and other nations too, like India and some of these spots where there's a lot of persecution, you know, during COVID opportunities to spread the gospel uh, was phenomenal. And, you know, again, the kingdom is moving forward. Yes, it's by force. And, you know, like we say, you know, get the gospel into North Korea. Well, the gospel is already there. That's and right. the fact that you've got all, you know, what do you say, over a million uh, North Koreans have now read the Bible and how that yes, will yeah, spread. The, yeah. It's phenomenal. It's, so you know, these are these are yeah. these are important things. This is, again, another reason why people need to stay in touch with Voice of the Martyrs Canada. We need our thinking shaped by good information, not by the secular or uninformed Christian media. Because, again, all that they'll say is, oh, the poor, pitiful North Koreans. Oh, and of course. The price to be paid for being a Christian is very high in North Korea. But my question is, isn't it? Isn't that the what the Lord told us it would be everywhere? And so um, we shouldn't pray for North Korean Christians to become like us. We should pray for us to become like North Korean Christians. Mm-hmm. And would that we could see the kind of harvest and growth in our country that North Korean Christians and Chinese Christians are seeing in theirs. Well, there's lots of uh, good news happening, you know, in North Korea and in China in the midst of all the challenges and the difficulties. But some good news as well out of South Korea's constitutional court uh, in September. And this affected Mm -hmm. you, of course, directly struck down this 2020 law that criminalized the sending of anti-Pyongyang propaganda leaflets into North Korea, which, of course, with the balloon launches that you were involved in. Uh, Tell me about that, Eric, because... I mean, you yourself are facing a big fine, uh, even prison time because yeah. of your activities. So this uh, must have come as a relief. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think um, we were certainly glad to see it. The Supreme Court overturned part of a national security law that restricted the launching of leaflets on the grounds of freedom of expression. And so um, that's better than the opposite, right? That's that's right. better than, than yeah. if they upheld it. But I think it's important to remember a couple of things. One is, is that that law was passed in 2021. I actually was arrested and charged in June 2020. And so I was arrested and charged prior to that law being passed. I was, I was um, the charges against me actually came from a variety of local laws that were pressed into service when authorities were forced to find any way by that by the then government of South Korea to shut down balloon launches. So the overturning of that particular law does not conclusively mean that um, that there's no uh, that, that, you know, the balloon launchers are are free to, to, you know, to stand on the roofs of buildings and launch stuff into North Korea. 
it didn't it you know that 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 uh, that law being overturned, although it was good news, did not affect the charges uh, that were against me. Those charges uh-huh. were never dropped. They were not pursued by the prosecutor's office, but the prosecutor's office said that they reserve the right to revisit those charges at, at any point in the future that they feel that that is appropriate. So they're still sitting go, there. So those charges are still yeah. sitting there. Yeah. And okay. so w- um, when I when I go to renew my visa, it's always an interesting process that must be yeah. bathed in prayer. I, I never get I I don't get an open ended visa. You know, nobody does, of course. But I, I, I get I, I don't get a long visa. You know, I have to I'm on a short leash, but that's OK. I'm still here. But what I would say is, is that, you know, I, here's how I would say how I would look at the situation. I know other people, have, some of the other balloon launchers, the non-Christian groups who do human rights launching. We only launch Bibles, right? But other groups are launching political flyers. They said it's a victory of freedom of expression. It's a victory of freedom of speech. Our response is, look, since 2005, we worked cooperatively with local groups, civic groups, police military to make sure that our balloon launches were safe, quiet, secure, even mm-hmm. environmentally friendly, wow. because the balloons that we use are, 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 are biodegradable latex. We make sure that the launches are safe. We follow all of the laws. And so how I see the Supreme Court decision is it is a victory. The Supreme Court put the responsibility for policing balloon launches back in the hands of local authorities. Hmm. And Voice of the Martyrs Korea has had an excellent relationship with local authorities going back to the early 2000s. And 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 our hope is to see that excellent relationship continue. We don't make any statement about uh, our activity, as you know, about whether we have been launching, whether we are launching, whether we will launch. We don't say those things because we don't comment on any of our field work. But what I will say is, is that we continue every day to find every way to get the word of God into North Korea at the request of underground North Korean Christians. And so um, by land, sea, air, broadcast, whatever the method is, we're looking at every possibility every day. And at any point in time that uh, any of what we do is judged to be criminal activity, then we joyfully and willingly will, will face those charges at that time. Well, I know we continue to pray for you and your team. Uh, I mean, you faced many obstacles over the years. I, I mean, obviously, if you've learned uh, from our brothers and sisters in China and North Korea, Vietnam, and around absolutely, the world. yeah. And, and you got, and I, again, I think it was an important thing that you talked about earlier is that many churches in Canada, United States, and the West really struggled through COVID, and and even you know, speaking in churches now, attendance has not returned in many churches to where it was pre-COVID. Some churches, like the little one that I go to uh, here in Canada, actually grew over COVID. Yeah. It's a new church and, you know, being innovative with, you know, the technology and things like that. But uh, what we do see, though, is we need to be able to adjust. And I think we're in a time That's in Canada right. that we need to adjust in America, uh, how we're spreading the gospel, and again, learning from our brothers and sisters in China yeah. and North Korea. Eric, before we go, uh, most important thing that we always say is to pray. So can I get you to pray for China and for North Korea? And uh, I'll just in, you know, in, encourage all those people, invite people listening or Somebody. watching to join us uh, in prayer. And Greg, what what I want to do, I want to encourage people. I'm going to pray um, using um, um, something that I want people to go to the Voice of the Martyrs Canada website and get a copy of. And that is that we have um, uh, um, Voice of the Martyrs put together years ago a list of not uh, just ways that we think we should pray for the persecuted church, but the prayer requests that persecuted Christians tell us they want us to pray. Yeah. 
So right. instead of praying how we think they should want us to pray, what Voice of the Martyrs Canada has done is to say, let's ask them, how should we pray? So oh, there's 10, 10 prayers that they asked us to pray. And so I'm going to pray through that list. It'll only take us a minute, but I want to encourage people to go to the Voice of the Martyrs Canada website because they can get that list there. And that's how we can pray for persecuted Christians in the rest of the world. So let's pray for now persecuted Christians in North Korea and China, according to these 10 ways to pray that they've told us to pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we pray at the request of the persecuted Christians in North Korea and China, as they've asked us to pray that they would sense your presence at this hour, whether in prison or at worship, Lord, that they would know that you are there. Lord, we pray that they would experience your comfort we pray, Lord, that um, that what would be most real to them is not fear that comes from the, the activity of the state, but rather confidence and your comfort resting upon them. Lord, we pray with them that you would open doors for them in North Korea and China to evangelize. Lord, we've been talking today about being flexible, and, and we pray, Lord, that you'd give them flexible hearts and open eyes to follow your direction to evangelize in new ways. We pray with them that they would might boldly share the gospel today. Lord, we pray that they would forgive and love their persecutors. Lord, at their request, we pray that they would know that even at this hour, via this, this recording, that we are praying for them. Lord, we pray that they be granted wisdom by you and their covert ministry work. We pray, Lord, that they would remain joyful amidst the suffering that you permit them to experience. Lord, we pray that you would mature them in their faith. And finally, Lord, we pray that they would be rooted deeply in your word, because we know that it is through your word that your son, the Lord Jesus, reveals himself fully. So for these requests from our persecuted brothers and sisters, we join them in prayer and we pray in the name of your son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. And yeah, thank you, Eric. Uh, for letting people know that. So vomcanada.com is our website. And if you'd like more information about the ministry, wonderful ministry, the Voice of the Martyrs Korea, go to vomkorea.com. That's vomkorea.com. And I will put those uh, web addresses uh, in the episode notes on the Closer to the Fire podcast. So again, Eric, thank you so much uh, for your time today. It's always good catching up with you. And I always feel inspired because you're telling stories about people that are suffering persecution, but they really understood this eternal perspective and, and yeah. how important that is. And uh, so again, thank you, brother, for, for your time. And uh, it's good seeing you again, too. Yeah, thank you, Greg. God bless you and your work, too. And if I could ask uh, the viewers, listeners, if you could uh, write a review of this podcast, tell your friends about it. We want to get people praying. We want to raise up prayer support. So again, our brothers and sisters will know that they're not forgotten, that uh, they're being remembered. We'd be inspired as well by their stories. And it also helps us to help our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. So thanks again, Dr. Foley. And thank you for listening or watching. And remember, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire.